When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm glad you're back. This episode, I think it's going to be a little fun. Even though we're talking about a topic that's pretty near and dear to everybody, we're going to look at the the effects COVID-19 has had this last year on sustainability. But before I do that, first of all, I'm here with Nick again. Nick, how are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm glad that I could get you here on a Zoom call. Today is a social distancing episode. Social Distancing Sunday. Social Distancing Sunday. Yes, it is. We also have a special guest. This is an individual who's actually interviewed me in the past, the the creator and host of The Curated Culture. Rob Bogan, how are you today? I am fantastic. I am very honored uh, to be on your show. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I also have noticed you have had a tremendous amount of YouTube videos coming out as of late. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to Just to bore you with a quick story, I, I, uh, I run a website, curatedculture.com, and initially it was it was mostly just uh, writing. That was my thing. But now, uh, since more people are working from home, people are schooling from home, most of the time spent is on YouTube. People are consuming more and more video. So I figure I would switch my medium from writing to video, and that's that's where the YouTube came from. Oh, I'm seeing all kinds of uh, sneaker unboxing and all this is just, just so much fun. I, I'm catching them on Facebook almost every day. <laughs> well, thank you for watching. <laughs> anyway, so this topic was your topic. This was a message sent from you to me about, you know, this is something that needs to be discussed. So why did you feel like this was something that needed to be discussed right here, right now? Well, honestly, man, I, I know that, you know, sustainability is, is a passion of yours and it's slowly but surely becoming a passion of mine. And the thought process actually came uh, one day I was at work, just my regular nine to five. And uh, I work in retail in Longshore. Whenever somebody comes in and they use our payment kiosk, we have to spray it, wipe it down and clean it. And I was in the habit of doing that. And I looked over into the wastebasket and I noticed um, no less than probably a, a hundred paper towels in the mm-hmm. wastebasket. And I'm like, my God, I, I'm, I'm one person in, in one store, but I can only imagine how much this is happening on a national scale all across, you know, where I work and in other areas as well. And I'm like, this could this could actually be pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and Nick has heard me say it. He's even quoted me so so many times about single use. And uh, <laughs> yes, he's already laughing at me. I'm I have my skin starts to hurt. I start to twitch a little when I talk about single use items because mm-hmm. even it's even worse when single use items don't even get used. But that's a whole different problem. So. Would you say the amount of, let's say, disinfectant wipes, the, the, the spray use, has gone up by 50%, 100%, 1,000%? 
Oh, man, it's, it's really hard to put a number on. I know if I'm comparing to just last year in general, I would <laughs> to, to blow it out of proportion, I would say a million percent. You know, <laughs> nobody was using gloves or masks or anything like that. And it's it's really uh, disheartening, you know, when, when you know, I'm not even at work, but just going to the, the grocery store sometimes to, just to pick up a few things and you see gloves in the parking lot, you see masks on the ground and, and it's it's eye-opening like man this this is a potentially really disastrous scenario yeah and i think nick was talking about a couple weeks back about where he is cooking and they can't use regular silverware and you know they're everything is in these you said the seven in one pack nick yeah seven one wrapped cutlery is your fork knife spoon salt pepper napkin and then of course it's in a, a a plastic wrapper, which then comes in a box, which comes in a truck. And we have to use those anyways. And people are not permitted to bring their own stuff from home right now. And so we, we have seen a definite increase in the amount we give out when we do serve food. But also uh, the cost of single-use items has drastically increased due to demand. So when I was paying 35 to $40 for a case, I'm now paying upwards of 70 Gloves, I was paying $5 a box. I'm now paying $14.99 for the same exact box. So, I mean, it's it's definitely affecting everything across the board, not to mention, like like Rob mentioned, the waste. Things are everywhere. And I appreciate society working together to be more sanitary and make sure we don't get sick. But it, at the same side, they're not being very proactive and making sure it gets properly disposed of. It's great that if you wear gloves and a mask, in case you do get something that, you know, could be potentially dangerous, it's not so great that you leave it on the ground for anyone else to pick up and possibly get contaminated by anyways. See, and I look at it like, you know, you talk about right now you're not allowing people to bring in their own. You're you're still wiping down the tables. You're still doing all the social distancing. That if someone brought their own silverware in their own packaging, used it on their own food, threw away the container, and took that with them, they have a hard time finding the contamination problem there. You're going to follow behind. You're going to wipe off the table. It's no different if their fork was sitting on the table or if their forearm was sitting on the table. And that's correct because we allow them to come to work every day, every person person gets screened with uh, their temperature checked and everything. So if they're allowed to come to work, you should think their fork, knife, and spoon would be safe. You would assume. You would assume. And that's where I look at this. See, and for me, when I think of the single use, the, the when Rob brought this up to me, the one thing that popped into my head is I can't take my, re, my reusable bags to the store anymore. You know, what usually fits in four, maybe five shopping bags of mine, it becomes 30 of these disposable thank you bags because they can only put one or two items in each bag and I end up with 30 or 40 bags. And at this moment, it's becoming hard to find more uses. I'm not used to taking so many bags in. And for me, that's the the disposable single use item problem I'm having right now. Because yeah, I think my wife even said last week, like, I think we have to start throwing some of these away. And you know how much I love throwing something away only after one use. I think I actually heard Mike's goosebumps pop up when he said that about throwing away things after one year. (laughs) (laughs) Chills right up the spine. I was thinking, though, like, don't you guys, I'm I'm listening to you both talk, and and one thing that popped immediately in my mind is, is this is kind of, I guess, a problem that's created out of an abundance of caution because, you know, single-use items have, have gone up not necessarily because, you know, people are going to try to come into work sick or things like that, but there's allegedly, apparently, not a scientist or a virologist, but um, there's the big concern of asymptomatic spread. So you, you kind of, you have to take those precautions 
in, in an effort to kind of curve, you know, somebody from not showing any symptoms and coming in and, and using things and, and bringing stuff from home and, and potentially spreading it that way, right? Just going to say that it's definitely a necessary evil. I mean, it's something that's, you kind of pick and choose your battles. And if the, if the, the choices are help combat a pandemic or the, the increase in single-use items, I definitely think the right choice is being made. It doesn't change the long-lasting effects it's going to have on all this stuff we're going to have to deal with. You know, a lot of people don't even try to reuse the single-use stuff. And then on top of that, a lot of like what we tend to mention a lot is with like that's the plastic where most people pick it up for one item, throwing the rest away anyways. Right. Well, and that's, you know, single-use is certainly going to be a big concern for a long time because and you're right it is the overabundance of caution and i think that's a good thing there's there's still a good chunk of society who chooses not to so i guess as much as we can get for caution the better it is just setting back sustainability probably five to ten years because it's not even just in single use items another problem that i as i was starting to do some research was food security there is a massive amount of overbuying when it comes to food. And when you overbuy certain foods, they just go bad. In the United States, 33% of what we purchase goes bad and gets wasted. In the whole country, out of everything we produce, 33% of household food or restaurant food or anything else is wasted and not eaten by a person, which I think is, every I say it twice every time because I have a hard time believing it. But that number is going to go up because we continuously, and especially in the United States, we're overbuying like crazy because of COVID because you don't know when something's going to close or when you can or cannot get something. How do you feel about that, Rob? Yeah, I, I, I 100% see that happening. And really quick before I expand on that thought, we're the United States is number one in the world with food waste, right? Absolutely. By far. Yeah, and I I would hate to see how much we've increased our lead uh, thanks thanks to COVID. But I, you would think at at this point, though, you know, much like a lot of stores are kind of putting restrictions on cleaning products and things like that, that they would because of that, in the face of a potential you know food shortage or something, that they would also put restrictions on the amount of perishable food items that people could buy. Like maybe it's a free for all on canned goods because. You can eat that can of corn six years from now and it's still going to be good. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, instead people are going and buying all the all the steaks and all the ground beef and things like that. And you're right. It's, you know, it's, it sits in a, a freezer for a little while or maybe they don't freeze it. They just toss it in the fridge and then it's bad after a week. Yeah. And, and, and as we all know, when it comes to beef and so some of these products, the, the carbon footprint is much, much higher. You know, I have, since I've talked to you last, I have tried very much to eat lower on the food chain. Much more greens, much more salads, much more fruits and vegetables. Less canned, less preserved. Boy, that becomes very difficult in a time like this. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, see, this is where I need Nick cooking for me each day. But I was we, just about to say, I was really curious because uh, uh, I know Nick works with food quite a bit. Like, how how do you manage you know, making sure that you know you're cooking the right portions, I guess, and and kind of trying to lessen the amount of food that goes to waste? Uh, that's actually a good question. That that changes drastically with the type of food service that I'm doing at that moment. If it's in the um, 
like the cafeteria at MTA, which essentially is kind of like a diner, mm-hmm. just diner style food. Uh, everything is kind of uh, generally pre-portioned. I portion my fries out of eight ounces and the burgers are a third pound and whatnot. Once, once it's sold to the customer, then it's on them what they throw away. I have no control over how much they waste. But in terms of mine, my biggest problem right now is uh, salads and any type of fresh produce. Because for some reason, again, it's the pandemic that's going into the cold time of year. I'm seeing a real big increase in my fried food sales in that regard. And so I've had to throw away a lot of produce and some things you can't freeze. I'm fortunate that I can freeze a lot of it. So there is minimal waste. There's a lot of fresh produce that gets that gets wasted. And uh, I'm actually not doing as good as I like to let people believe with it. <laughs> And on the catering side, um, we have a formula, uh, like a mathematic equation as to how much each person needs or a single entree buffet versus all the way up to a third entree buffet. And that's pretty close. Any food we have left, we actually donate to the soup kitchen and they're still allowed to take donations, which I find kind of kind of curious since they're putting so much restrictions on so many other aspects of food service. They're still allowing people to donate food to the food kitchen. I mean, I want them to donate to the food bank and the food kitchen, soup kitchens, but they're, I don't know. I mean, I am struggling right now to find adequate uses for the over abundance of some of the stuff we have left. I'd, I'd like to say that I have this great method, but uh, there are some weeks where I actually throw a lot away. A lot of it goes bad. A lot of it goes to waste. A lot of it ends up serving no purpose, but, you know, dollars spent. Right. Well, and so as you're talking about where, you know, where each of us work and kind of how that is affected, I want to go back to Rob. Like the economy has just been flipped upside down. You know, a lot of people have moved to online. Some people are still coming in house. Are you seeing a, a difference between the amount of walk-in traffic versus what you used to uh, used to have? Yeah, tr- tremendously, and it's it's both positively impacted and negatively impacted because a lot of people are taking those precautions and they are not specifically shopping in the store, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But then they forget, like ah. It's easy for me to buy this phone online. I work in telecommunications. It's easy for me to buy this phone online. It's easy for me to buy this tablet online. How do I set this thing up? How do I use it? So then you have that foot traffic coming in. And, you know, a lot of where I work in in Flint is still a, a big GM city. And a lot of those people that are coming in are, you know, bill pays or, or they're buying things and, and it has to be cash. They have to pay with cash for whatever reason, not sure why, but that increases a lot of that foot traffic. And then in turn, it increases the amount of wipes we use, the amount of spray we use. It increases the amount of masks that we have to give out because a lot of people still don't don't like to wear masks. So they come in and they're like, ah, I didn't bring one. So we have to give them one. And then I actually tracked it one day and surprisingly enough, two out of every 10 customers that we actually give a mask to is likely to either a throw the mask away immediately as soon as they leave the store or b they throw it on the ground outside okay so it's not the person you had to give a mask so they could come in and do what they wanted to do they weren't keeping that, which means no. the next store they walk into, they're gonna have, they're gonna be handed another paper mask. The cycle continues. Yeah. 
Okay, so the listeners know that I'm currently an engineer. What they don't know is I was in telecommunications for 16 years prior to that. Bonus fun fact. (laughs) Yep, so (laughs) what I do know is that is is a touch industry. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to feel it. They have Mm -hmm. to touch it. They have to play with it. How do you handle this? It's a hands-on environment. Very much so. We, we have to be really, really diligent in monitoring the amount of bodies that come into the store for one, because, you know, and that's kind of another thing that people don't really pay attention to. You know, Michigan is one of the more strict uh, states, I guess, in, in regards to traffic and, and freedoms within the, the COVID world right now. So we have to limit uh, the amount of people in the store. People have to wear masks, non-negotiable. Uh, but I'm still alarmed at the amount of times, you know, families of four and five try to enter the store. And sometimes if the store is busy, they don't get checked at the door. So you have a family of four or five that are now in the store and they're waiting to be helped and they're free roaming around the store. So while you are working with a customer, you have to keep an eye on where they go and what they touch and what they look at because you immediately have to go, grab your wet wipes, (laughs) disinfect the phones, throw it away. And it's, like I said earlier, it's just kind of a vicious cycle. It, It continues and continues because unfortunately we're in the holiday season now and they're going to leave our store and then they're going to go to Best Buy or Bed Bath and Beyond or Old Navy or wherever they happen to be going to. It's got to be kind of nerve wracking because I know in that business, sometimes it really takes your attention when you're teaching someone or working with someone on a new product, especially if it's the first time they've touched that product and you, you really spend a lot of one-on-one time. Well, it was, it's got to be harder when that one-on-one time is at a distance and, and you have to pay attention to everything else in the room. It's just got to be nerve wracking. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Nick could probably identify with it. It's like if you get, you know, too many entrees going at one time, something's going to burn. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's, it's you, you know, you, you have to kind of train yourself to manage the entrees and in my case, customers, mm-hmm. and uh, you have to, you know, be conscious of, like I said, it, what's touched, what needs to be cleaned and things like that. And it's really uh, difficult because, again, you're going through this cycle of, of waste, yeah. let's call it, and, and, and you can't. I would love to. I would love to be able to, but you can't reuse wet wipes. You can't reuse those. So, <laughs> well, and it's and that's that kind of leads into the next question. Like, what are some of the? Has there has there been any pros? I mean, right now we see a lot of cons when it comes to sustainability. But even even just in your job, for me, for an example, I don't drive to work. I don't use the fossil fuels. I have greatly reduced my footprint because I live in one city and drive forty minutes to work. I don't have to do that anymore. That is one positive for me. Have you found any yet? Uh, me, me personally, not, not really. At least not in my my work bubble. Home, absolutely. I find that because you know my my wife is she's a teacher, so she was for a while working from home. My son goes to school virtually, so you know when I get home, they're at home, so I, I instantly get to see them more. You know because they're they're already there. I, I I truly enjoy that. We're not specifically leaving home, so on the days that I have off, all three of us are together and, and we're hanging out. Now, albeit we're probably all staring at a different screen, we're, we're still together and we have that hangout time. 
so that in, in my world, that's a positive. I mean, outside of my world, I have seen, you know, places like, I don't know if you read it, initially, India, completely clear, no smog, looked like there was no pollution. <laughs> yeah. It was it was beautiful, and and I wish that you know maybe maybe we could go through another lockdown just so the planet can have time to breathe and recover. Yeah, and I've seen you know wildlife wandering back into places where they weren't accepted prior or have been chased out. I have seen some of those. Unfortunately, I think the moment we're allowed to run back outside, we're going to shoo everything away and dirty up that sky because we haven't necessarily made any changes. But Definitely. Nick. Same, yeah. same, same question to you. Have you seen any pros in your business? Uh, in the business itself, uh, no. Generally speaking, the pandemic and lockdown has drastically smacked my business in the face. Uh, catering has come to a standstill. On a personal note, it's done wonderful things for my family. We spend a lot more time together. We do a lot more things together, a lot more games, a lot more fun events. I'm more in touch with our schooling now because before I before I kind of watched it through a I guess the kind of outside looking in, like I knew they were going to school and I had a rough idea as to what they were doing, but now I'm really involved with their, their schoolwork. So that, that's been wonderful. But with, as for the food industry, the only food industry that's really profited from this pandemic has been fast food. Fast food has seen a dramatic increase in sales, which I find really peculiar because of all places to eat, that's kind of like the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and and it's and it kind of falls into if we start talking about human health, you know, we people talk about during the pandemic dealing with mental health concerns. They they deal with physical health concerns. I think it's a nonstop ongoing joke about on Facebook about the COVID twenty or the COVID thirty pounds that that we gained during that first break, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there are a lot of health concerns I think that go along with it, and you may have just hit something there. It's easier, or you feel safer running through the drive-through, and then you know you had a the extra double glass with the gloves on as they hand you the food, as if someone inside isn't touching that food. But it at least gives the security feeling. Oh, the yeah, theater. This pandemic is full of placebos for sure. Right. Definitely. So it does make me wonder about the human health because. It, There's also the fact that people are washing their hands more. It's funny. We make jokes that, hey, you know, I guess if we wash our hands, we're in good shape. But we we really should have been doing that a little bit beforehand. And But people are washing their hands more. They are more conscious of what they touch. They're not touching their face on a regular basis. So, you know, have you found that to be true, Rob? Or have you changed any habits? Or did you already have really good habits and it just helped you from this point going forward? Uh, it's, it's a little bit of both actually. Um, definitely on the, on the hand washing front for sure. I'm, I'm a lot more conscious than I am, you know, as well as I do having that retail background, you you can't really trust what you touch. So you, you finish up with things, you go scrub the hands down and now it's like, you know, five times more. In terms of my personal habits, yeah, I guess the, the hand washing and I'm a bit more conscious about, you know, the things that I touch now more than ever, for sure. Um, I do I do want to bounce back really quick to the, the fast food point that, that Nick touched on. And I, I, I find we go back to the discussion of, of single use items because fast food is geared for that 
right? You, you get Absolutely. your you get your cardboard box and you know your plastic utensils and and everything is so I'm I'm I would be really really uh, interested to find out how much that industry in particular is is contributing to uh, I guess pollution or or food waste or in all that as well. Well, and it's you know for an example, I'm the guy who brings his thermos to places to get coffee you know i can go to tim hortons they put they put it in my thermos they get to save on a cup and a lid and i get a little extra coffee and everybody's happy you can't do that i can't take my my cup to mcdonald's and have them fill it even though my cup would be a third of the size of their buckets that they give you to drink out of right uh you can't they won't allow it and and i understand why but that's all those extra cups, because I'm not the only person who uses no. a reusable container at every right. moment. You know, it is uh, when I go to Horrocks and Lansing, I love going to that store. They, you can't do any of the bulk buy right now. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's full piles of fruit you can dig through to find that right. apple. But, <laughs> but, right. I, but I, can't, I can't pull the lever and take as much coffee as I need in my mm-hmm. personal containers. But that all in, its, in itself just continues to compile. Here yeah. we are working like heck to stop using plastics and stop using these uh, single-use items and stop wasting single-use items. And I guarantee the next time you go to McDonald's in the bottom of that bag so that, it, so that the grease doesn't get in there is a big stack of napkins with a grease spot already on them, so you probably won't use them. You can't recycle it either. Yeah, anything with food on it, grease on it isn't recycled. And let's be honest, a lot of the recycling uses way more fossil fuels than what it's worth. Right. It, really, yeah. the answer is reduce, reduce mm-hmm. and refuse. Uh, now, I will say one habit that we have kind of changed on, on the subject of, of food and things like that, and more in line with the economy itself, is we try not to eat at, you know, big box or chain uh, fast food joints. We go and eat at, you know, actual local restaurants, you know, the, the local Thai spot or, you know, Chinese and, and things like that, just because these are people not backed by big business and, and every single dollar counts because that money ends up going right back into the community more often than not. Well, and they, and they need it to maintain them because there's been a tremendous amount of empty buildings. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of businesses going out. There's a lot of small, small business struggling. They don't have, and matter of fact, I don't want to say just small businesses. I mean, large businesses are going out. Almost every place that's based out of a mall is just slow dying. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that fast fashion is they have to have so much in revenue and they're just not getting it. Well, I think that the pandemic was kind of the uh, the last nail in the coffin for most in-store retail places. I think if it did one thing that no one really expected, it was it showed big box stores how much they can rely on online sales to pay their bills and how much they didn't need a store anymore. What? I think it also took those companies, the Kmarts and Sears of the world, who refused to believe that online was the next step, and it reminded them that you know, it reminded these companies that if you do not have an online presence, you don't get to stay. Yeah, and and going back to the the single use of the food, a lot of fast food places predominantly are always going to be single use items. So because their business model or, or the way that their business is designed is you know circles around that, they didn't really see any hit at all in this pandemic 
except for when they first completely closed all the food service places. I am a big advocate of mom and pop places. I think the I think the world needs more mom and pop places. You know, not everyone is going to have a billion dollar advertising budget behind them to push their new item that you can't go in and sit down and eat. So I I really appreciate Rob that you guys hit the local spots. That's awesome. Yeah, it it felt like a, a no brainer as as Mike was saying. You know, a lot of these places depend on that money, and I know you know myself being a, a small biz owner the ability for me or the lack of the ability for me to go out and, and visit comic cons and, and go to these conferences that has impacted my business on a personal level, which is again, where the uptick in YouTube content comes from because we're all kind of sitting home doing nothing. <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's only right, you know, when you see it on a personal level to try and support those who are struggling right along with you as much as you can. So are, are there things that you can do differently? So not just, I mean, not for work. Let's, let's take regular work and set it aside. Let's, let's, let's talk about the YouTube. Let's talk about, you know, curated culture. What can you do different? I mean, obviously, what you and I are doing right now is different because I would always rather have us in a room, but here we are digitally connected. What can we do? Is there, is there something we can do different going in the future? Um, I, I think the, the biggest thing it, for right now is honestly just appreciating this experience having to to talk to people from a distance is not something that I'm very good at. It was one reason why I started uh, my podcast a, a while ago is because it gave me a reason to get out and to see people and have those in-person conversations. It's, it's teaching us, honestly, to be more conscious of, of the things that we use and, and how we can reduce and, and as you say, reduce, refuse, and, and just kind of help lower our footprint um, all across the board. I think we are all being, it's an unfortunate scenario, but I think we're all being taught an important lesson here that, you know, we have to kind of change things up because we don't have infinite resources as, as much as we thought that we all did and and you can go and you can get toilet paper whenever you want to and not <laughs> we see that that's that's not a thing mm -hmm. i'm curious to how much of that toilet paper is still hor you know still sitting in a closet somewhere how that changed the retail side of it i i i'd be really interested on the economic effects of hoarding, if you will. But the, I don't know, there's so many pieces of sustainability that I feel like have just had to take a backseat during this time. And it was really your comments that reminded me how much it really took a backseat. Because the more I started reading, I mean, you know me and when it comes to Flint, I'm a Flint guy. I'm an advocate to Flint. I, it's in my book. Like it's Flint brought up every time I can. But like for an, for an example, not everybody in the educational system has the same opportunities. And here we are in COVID getting taught at home. I think what we're going to see is that educational gap start to widen. Yeah. Because, you know, just like you were saying, you're, you, your wife's a teacher, so that's okay at home. You know, Nick is now involved more with the educational process. I know I am too. Even, if, even when I don't want to be, I'm well more in, involved. <laughs> Some families don't have that. Right. 
Yeah, and it, it, it speaks uh, kind of volumes to the to the work that we all kind of have to do to to bridge that gap to 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 narrow the the educational divide. And I think a lot of that, not even on the sustainability level, but I think a lot of that in the last you know four years was put in the back burner, so to speak. You know, um, it wasn't a priority, and we are now kind of seeing you know, the, the error of our ways, so to speak, and in the things that we did put front and center versus the stuff that we put on the back burner. If, if we leave anybody in this show with one thing, I want it to be find one thing not to waste. Find one single use item you can use more than once. That paper mask, don't throw that thing away on the way out the door. That can be used. You're, it's, it's not a filter. It's just a face blocker. And as long, you know, basically, as long as it's on your face, it's keeping things from physically touching your face. It is not a filter. You don't change it out after every use. I'm glad we're having this conversation because the more I dug into it, the more I just shook my head. <laughs> Because I feel yeah. like it really pushed us backwards. It did. You know, one thing that, uh, on a lighter note, kind of, kind of funny, but not really. Uh, potty talk. I am curious why people aren't talking about bidets more. Like you, it's, a, it's a thing, and you, you don't necessarily have to worry about toilet paper shortages, and it, it's, it's sustainable. It is, right? and, and I ran into it in Italy. Uh, I think Nick got a few pictures with me, you know, shaking. I don't even know how to use this. Why do I have two toilets? Uh, but you're right. We are looked at really weird by the rest of this planet when it comes to toilet paper. And it has been proven time and time and time again that it's less sanitary and less healthy. Yeah, I was I was amazed by, like, everybody's freaking out. And I, I was telling my wife, like, listen – if if toilet paper ever becomes not a thing, that's the route we're going. <laughs> yeah. And you're just joining the bulk of people. Yeah. It's not like a new technology. It's there. We just don't use it. It's a primary technology. It's it, the rest of the world uses it. <laughs> I guess we're gonna get that with the metric system. I don't know when it will be. <laughs> uh, well. we're imperial for life, brother. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> well i appreciate this conversation i know that we're on zoom and zoom's going to start yelling at us here shortly so yeah. i want to start wrapping this up i do appreciate this conversation i know it's kind of like cliff notes we're just barely scratching the surface and maybe we revisit each one of these as their own show because i think each you know from food security to single use items and, and the effect on the economy, education, all of these things could be a full hour, if not a full, a full month uh, Absolutely. On, on their own. So uh, I do appreciate you coming, Rob. And I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get you in more because, you know, I planned this right from the very beginning. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. My my schedule is is always hectic. I Even I am like, man, there's so much stuff that I still need to do. Like, I kid you not. I'm going to I'm going to twist the camera here just so you can see. Oh. There's five videos <laughs> just waiting to be done. Uh and and the 9 to 5 gets in the way, but I I tremendously appreciate you thinking of having me on. 
I am not as uh, philosophically smart or intelligent as you guys when it comes to sustainability, but I can throw a good bidet joke out there uh, every <laughs> once in a while just well, for a cheap laugh. Remember, when it comes to sustainability, you're already winning because I just saw the reusable cup. Yes. Okay. And all we have to do is a little better than yesterday. So if we, a little less meat on a day, if we reuse something just another time, that's all we have to do is just get better. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Well, before we go, I want you to, again, the websites, the, the podcast, the, the millions, you have, you have your own little media empire going on. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the website, the curatedculture.com, just a, a brief backstory about that. Uh, the curated culture is, is essentially a, a melting pot for everything within our society. I talk about shoes. I talk about technology. I talk about politics, mental health, and well-being. The whole shot. I curate our culture for the reader. Um, the YouTube, youtube.com slash Robbie Diesel. It's, it's my, my fun place where I, I profess my love for sneakers. Uh, I just started a vlog where I just kind of track everyday life. There are video game reviews up, there's cell phone reviews, the whole shot. And then there's just my social media, which is uh, at Robbie Diesel on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. I, I try not to cuss as much, but it happens. I talk about sports and, and a lot of other things there. Well, we have been lucky to have you not only on the show, but you've been a blogger, a writer on the LiveLunch.org site. Your talents are—I'm trying to yank your talents our way as much as I can, as much as I can. But I appreciate uh, that, man. Thank you. I, well, we appreciate you. Thank you so very much for being on the show, Nick. As always, a pleasure. Well, thank you, sir. I went on a a binge of Nick's TikTok videos, by the way, and they are hilarious. They are. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I get bored, guys. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, and I'm trying to push him back because he also has Melting Me, the podcast Melting Me. Yes, I watched a couple of those videos. Those are actually pretty cool. I know. I keep So tell him to make another one. I mean, I think he he pretty much needs to now because I'm, I'm far outpacing him. I don't know if he's a competitive person at all, but I will match. Every video you put up, I'll match it. Are you sure you want to do that? Uh, no, but <laughs> if it motivates you. <laughs> anything to motivate you, brother. Well, ladies, well, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to follow both these guys because it looks like it's about to get pretty heavy on, uh, on video content. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. For, thank you, both of you. This has been a great conversation. I hope we can do it again. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next week. If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. 
Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.